Romans 5, and we're going to start there. We, we started a series a few weeks ago on Sunday morning called Hope in the Dark. Everybody say, Hope, Hope. in the Dark. So we started this series a few weeks ago, and we shared our first message. And so this week, we're going to kind of continue that. And uh, I didn't get to share it last week, but we're going to share it this week. So I've had this message rolling around for two weeks, marinating in the crock pot. So uh, for two weeks, it's been ready to go. So we're going to start today, and I believe you're going to find some freedom today, and we're going to give you some hope and some answers. So Romans 5. Uh, we're going to start in verse 3 in New Living Translation. It says, we can rejoice too. Listen to this next part. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Is that, is that your normal response? I, I think it's probably not. But why can we? Because we have God on our side. That's why we can do that. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that it helps us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And verse 5, this is a key verse for today. And this hope, this hope, everybody say this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. But notice it says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. Now that's the hope that God brings to us. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Overcoming Disappointment. Overcoming Disappointment. Now, this is one of these messages that, that I've never preached before, but I'm going to need you to lean in a little bit. Yes. I'm going to need you to respond a little bit. I, I, I need uh, some focus today because I really want to teach some things to you and really give you some answers from God's word. And I believe there's going to be freedom. I believe that there's going to be some hope imparted today. But I need full participation. Can we, can we agree to that? Full participation. I do my part and you do your part. And so... Some of the things we're going to talk about today, just like the other week, are, uh, could be kind of heavy, could be kind of serious, but we need to talk about it in church because if the church doesn't give you answers, where else are you going to get answers? The answer is you're not going to get answers. So the church needs to talk about this. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about hope in the dark, and we specifically talked about uh, dealing with uh, depression, dealing with discouragement, dealing with anxiety, and finding hope in God, especially during the holiday season. So we gave this example a few weeks ago, and we talked about how when you're in that place of uh, discouragement, you're in that place of depression or being down, uh, being in a dark, discouraging place, it oftentimes feels like a cave. It feels like a dark place, a pit where you can't see any light out. And so the series is called Hope in the Dark because we have a savior come on now somebody who is a hope in a dark place who is hope in our discouragement who's hope in depression who's hope through our disappointments and we have a savior who is that he is a hope in a dark place but me as your pastor today my job is to do this we we talked about this the other week my job is to do this when you as a church family member are in a place like that as a pastor on a Sunday morning. I'm not the light. Jesus is the light. He is the hope in a dark place. But me as your pastor, I'm the one with the flashlight. And like we talked about before, when you're in a dark place or a cave or a pit and you can't see any light out, 
that means you feel like there's no hope. There's no way out. There's no escape when you can't see any light. But if you just see a little bit of light, come on, where are my Pentecostals at? If you just see a little bit of light in the top of the cave, it doesn't have to be much. What do you have? You have hope that there is the way of escape. There is a way out. I don't have to be hopeless anymore because it was dark and I couldn't see my way out. But if I just see a little flashlight... Just a little bit of light. And that's what your pastor is doing during the series to say, no, there's a way of escape. There's a way out. There's a way of hope. There can be hope in the dark. And I'm not the light, but I'm pointing to the light. And I just want to shine a little bit of light on your dark situation this morning and say there is hope this morning. Come on, do you receive that so far today? So that's all I'm doing today is using my cool little flashlight, which a lot of you guys have this by now. And saying, there's hope in the dark. And I'm going to point you to the one who is that light this morning. So we're talking about overcoming disappointments. So this is a subject that I don't hear a lot of uh, church people talk about, but we're going to talk about it today. Talk about overcoming disappointments. Overcoming disappointments. Now, this church is a faith church. You're saying, well, every church is a faith church. No, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, most church people believe that Jesus is real and they've accepted him, but they're not faith people. When I say we're a faith church, I mean we live by faith. We talk our faith. We believe that God is a healer, and God is a deliverer, and God is a prosperer, and God is our Savior, and he's our joy, and he's our peace. And we believe God around here. We're a faith church. And not every church and not every believer is a faith person. Just because they believe in Jesus and they're going to heaven, that doesn't mean they're a faith person. But we're faith people around here. I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. I'm saying that's who we are. And that's what the Bible tells us to be. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. Faith is what pleases God. Faith is our victory. So we are faith people around here. And so because we are faith people, how do we deal with disappointment in our life? How do we deal with that? As faith people, this is a question that needs to be answered because a lot of times what happens is faith people believe God, which you should, which you should continue to do. Faith people have hope. They have faith. They believe God to do great things. But what do we do when things don't turn out the way we thought they should? How do we deal with disappointment as faith people? Now, I'm not just talking about any people. I'm talking about as faith people. How do you deal with disappointment? And that's what we want to talk about today. Because what happens is for a lot of faith people like ourselves, when things don't turn out the way that we thought that they should, and maybe something didn't happen in our time in the way that we thought that it should happen, and we thought we were in faith, disappointment happens. And a lot of times when disappointment happens to people, they change their theology. They change what they believe about God. And 
really, your theology, what you believe about God, is the most important thing you have. Let me say that one more time. Your theology, what you believe about God, is the most important thing you have. Because what you believe that God is to you is what he will be to you. What you believe about God affects your everyday life, affects the way you wake up, affects the way you live your life, affects the way you go to bed, affects what you believe. So your theology is so important. So what happens is faith people, when disappointment happens in our lives, we have to deal with that. And a lot of times we don't deal with that, so we change our theology because of an experience that didn't turn out the way that we thought it should turn out. And we change our experience because of that disappointment, and we change what we believe about God. Are you here so far today? I said, you got to lean in. you got to help me today. So as faith people, we have to deal with disappointment because disappointment will deal with us if we don't deal with it. And we can't just ignore it. We can't just act like it didn't happen. We have to deal with it. And today we're talking about overcoming disappointment. So a lot of times what happens is we change our theology. We change what we believe about God because of a disappointment that happened in our life. We used to be a faith person, hopeful, believing, believed that God was good, believed God could do anything, but then life happened and we didn't get everything that we thought we would get, and we changed what we believed based off experience, not the Word of God. Or this is what happens to a lot of people too. When disappointment happens to a faith person, they won't say it out of their mouth a lot of times, but inwardly, they get bitter towards God. They're mad at God. They're mad at the pastor who taught them faith. They get bitter towards God. They get bitter at other people because it didn't turn out the way they thought it would and their disappointment. So, today we're talking about overcoming disappointment. What do you do with that? You have to deal with it. You have to overcome it or it will deal with you. You can't ignore it and act like it didn't happen. You have to deal and overcome disappointment. And not let experience change your theology and what you believe about God. Because that is the most important thing you have. So when we talk about disappointment, I'm not talking about little things. I'm talking about big stuff that happens in our life that we get stuck on. And these things are big things. I'm going to list a few of them to you that are things that have happened to a lot of people in here. And that are big issues that are not God's will that happen in this fallen world. It could be abuse could be the loss of a job or bankruptcy. It could be the loss of a relationship. It could be someone you love, a family member, a friend, a child passed away. It could be uh, something traumatic that happened in your life, a sickness, a disease, some, something in your life that has been a disappointment to you that you got stuck somewhere along the road. It could be a, a marriage or, a, or having children. It could be a job or career, and you feel like, this isn't the way it should be. And what happens is we get disappointed. We get disappointed in God. And a lot of times we don't deal with it. We just try to push it down and ignore it. But that unfixed the problem. 
to ignore it and act like it's not happening. We act like it doesn't exist or it didn't really happen or we go the opposite road. Like I said, we get bitter towards God. We get mad at God. We wouldn't say that, but we are. And when you're bitter and mad towards God, guess what you can't receive from God? (laughs) And when you're bitter and mad towards God, you can't get unstuck. God can't help you when you're like that. So today we're talking about overcoming disappointment. So I want to give you a few reasons in the beginning of this why things happen to people on the earth. Why things happen, I'm not going to say good people because everybody says they're a good person. But why do things happen to people in general? Because the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Tests and trials come to the righteous and the unrighteous. We all are living in this planet together. So why do things happen to people? Why do tragedies happen? Why do these traumatic events happen to us on the planet? I'm not making light of this, but you need some answers from God's word because most of us haven't been taught this. The number one thing I want to share with you is why do things happen to people? We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world that when Adam and Eve sinned, it brought sin and a curse on this whole planet. And when Adam and Eve did that, it says that not just the curse came upon Adam and Eve, but the curse came on all of creation. So from that day till now, the planet is dying. Animals are dying. Newsflash, you're dying right now. Pastor, this message is supposed to be about hope. You are. You're dying right now. You're on your way there. You're not going to live forever. Now, why is it like that? That wasn't God's original plan. That wasn't God's original intent in the garden. Why does it happen like that? Because you live in a fallen world. So the, the creation, the mountains, the seas, the trees, the plants, the animals, us as human beings who are over all of creation, we are all dying and decaying because we live in a fallen world that is still under sin. And the Bible says that all of creation groans and travails to the day that it will be set free from that. Do you know the reason we have natural disasters is not because of sinfulness of man. It's because all of creation is dying. I'm going to tell you something. Climate change is real. It is. Climate change is real. The Bible says so. The earth is decaying and dying as we speak. So guess what? There's going to be some changes. There's going to be some trees dying. There's going to be some some temperature changes. Why? Because this world is not forever. And the Bible says it's dying and decaying as we speak. So there will be some changes because God says eventually he's going to have a new heaven and a new earth. So that's one of the reasons why things happen on this earth that are not God's will, that are not God's plan, that are traumatic, hurtful, painful events. 
and we get disappointed because we live in a fallen world. We're not in heaven yet. Now, I'm trying to help you if you listen to me today. I'm trying to give you some answers on why things happen to us as human beings on this planet. These traumatic things, like I said, it could be abuse or loss of a job, loss of a relationship. It could be a natural disaster. It could be someone you loved passed away or something happened in your life that you're stuck and you're disappointed. Well, we live in a fallen world. That's the number one thing. The second thing is we have a free will. God gave human beings a free will. And the thing is, we like the idea of free will, but free to choose means to free to choose wrong. We all love free will. We love that idea, but you really don't love that idea. Because the same free will that we use as believers to do good are, is the same free will that people that do wrong use to do wrong. And God gave us as human beings a free will. So why do bad things happen? Because mankind has a free will to do whatever it wants to do. And that's the way that God set it up. It was God's choice, not man's choice, to put him in charge. I'm going to say something, and some of you have heard this before, but it can sound a little non-religious. God is not in control of everything that happens on this planet. Because he chose to make it that way. Now you parents know the difference. You guys know this. Your child has free will, don't they? And you could try to do everything in your power to make them do the right things. Just like God does to us. But at the end of the day, they still have a free will. So let me tell you something. If you leave the house and you say, we're going out of town, there will be no parties here. There will be no people over. There will be no drugs and alcohol. There will be no loud music. And when you're out of town, a police officer calls you and says, at your house right now, there is a party of 300 youth. And they are bumping some music. And there is alcohol and drugs there. And there is all sorts of crazy stuff going on at your house right now. Was that your will? Was it? Was that your will? Was that your heart's desire? Same way with God. God's a good father. He does everything in his power to make us choose the right things. He even says in his word, there's life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Hello, choose life. Hello, choose life. But he still gives you a free will to choose whatever the heck you want to do. And a lot of times we choose the wrong things, and then we blame God when we get in trouble. Don't mess with me. I've been gone two weeks. Don't we do that? Things happen and we blame God. Why did that happen? It happened because you have a free choice and you chose the wrong things. And God loves you, but you still have a free will. Can I get amen from the parents and grandparents around here? You try your best, but they still have a will. In the same way, there's all sorts of crazy stuff that happens on this planet every day that's not God's will. Because he gave human beings a free choice. You know, there's abuse that happens every day 
it breaks the heart of God. It's not his will. But he's given mankind a free choice. There's people this morning that died in a car wreck because they got drunk and got in a car and died. Many people will go to that funeral and say, well, God needed them. And God took them. No, God had nothing to do with it. They had a choice. And it breaks God's heart as much as it breaks those parents' heart. But they have a choice. They have a will. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? So that's a big reason why things happen on this planet that are wrong that are hurtful. That's why abuse happens and relationships get broken up and and people lose jobs and tragedies happen and things that are horrible happens because people have a free will. And a lot of times we choose the wrong things. And it breaks God's heart and it hurts God because he doesn't want to see his children hurt. The good news is eventually... All of that will be over with. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth with no sin, with no decay, with no death. But we're not there yet. So that's another reason why things happen to people, good and bad people, because of choices. If everything that happened on the planet was automatically God's will, why would Jesus pray? For his disciples, that God's will would be done in he- or on earth as it is in heaven. Why would he pray that? That God, we pray, that's what he said in the Lord's Prayer, that your will would be done. Why would he pray that? Because his will is not being done for the most part. God, we pray that your will would be done in heaven as it is on earth. We, pr- we pray, Father, that that would happen. Now, in heaven, there's no sickness. There's no disease, there's no pain, there's no heartache, there's no tragedy, there's no sin, there's no death. And he says, we pray, God, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because his will is not automatically being done in the lives of his people on the earth. Come on, are you following me so far? So what do we say? This is why things happen that are disappointments in our life. We live in a fallen world. Number two, people have a free will. Free to choose is free to choose good and bad. Lastly, we have an enemy who is the God of this world. Can we put up the scripture, John 10, 10, if you have it? John 10 and verse 10 in the New Living. Look at this verse. The thief's purpose, that's... The enemy, the devil, knows what his purpose is, to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So the third reason why things happen is there is an enemy who is the God of this world. And his purpose is this, to steal from you, to kill and destroy But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You have an enemy, and that's what his job description is. That's what he wants to do to everybody on the planet. Steal, kill, and destroy your life. And he's after everybody, Christian, 
a non-Christian. His goal is to steal, kill, and destroy from everyone. And the Bible says he's the God of this world. So that's another reason why things happen. But notice, just for your theology, look at this verse. Can we put it up again? The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. So here's the big dividing mark. If it steals from my life... If it kills something in my life, if it destroys anything in my life, it's not from God. It's from the enemy. How, how much clearer do we have to get this verse? It's from the devil. But if it's bringing life to me and more life, it's from God. I shouldn't have to get this forceful on a Sunday morning, but most Christians don't even understand this basic concept. Even though the Bible is about as clear as can be. If it steals from me, if it kills me, if it destroys me, it's not God trying to teach me something. It's not God trying to make me holy or punish me or mature me. No, it's the enemy. And he steals, kills, and destroys. And he's the God of this world. So a lot of times he has the authority to do so. But notice, if it's bringing me life, if it's bringing me health, if it's bringing me joy, if it's bringing me peace, it's from God. That's how you know who it's from. So three reasons, once again. These are the reasons why things happen that are disappointing, that are hurtful, that are painful in life, that make you grieve over. There is a fallen world that we live in. And we have a free will. And also there is an enemy to your soul. The God of this world, Satan himself, and all the demons that work under him. And they want to steal, kill, and destroy your life if they can do so. That's why things happen that are wrong on the planet once again, that aren't God's will because of those three reasons. Think about this because sometimes, sometimes it is our choices that put us in this situation, but sometimes it's not. That's why this last point, you got to think of it. Every time you get attacked, it's not always your fault. You just have an enemy who's mad at you who doesn't want you to succeed, who doesn't want you to fulfill the will of God, who doesn't want you to be an overcomer, who doesn't want you to do what God has called you to do, and he attacks you. I always think about this. My sister Jessica, she had a brain tumor. What did Jessica ever do to hurt anybody? I'm not saying she's sinless. Pretty close, but she's not sinless. She's made mistakes, but she lived her whole life to serve God, to honor God, to worship God. She lived a pure life, purer than all of us in here together. But she got a brain tumor in her head. What's the reason behind that? There is the God of this world, the enemy, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It's that easy. But there's still people questioning, why would Sister Jessica have that happen to her? Because there's a devil. That's why. (laughs) 
Not hard. That's why. And he's going to try to take out anybody who's anointed by God. Am I being a little bit too open and free on a Sunday morning? So why do things happen to people that are hurtful? We live in a fallen world. We have a free will. And not only do we have a free will, other people that does hurtful things to us has a free will too. Number three, the God of this world, which is Satan, whose job is to still kill and destroy your life if he can do so. It's going to get better, I promise. <laughs> this is supposed to be a hopeful message. It will be. Huh? Let me get my flashlight back out. All right, it's been a little dark for the past 20 minutes. So those are three reasons why things happen to people. So once again, when disappointment happens in our life, we have to have a choice to make, and we have to choose whether we're going to get mad and bitter at God, change our theology. You know, there's some people that a bad experience happened to them at this church, and they don't come anymore. I don't believe that anymore. Why? Because you had a bad experience? Everyone in here has had a bad experience. That doesn't mean that God's not true. It's not his fault and it's not on his side anyways. Don't let it change your theology. So we have a choice to make whether we're going to get bitter and mad towards God and towards other people when disappointments happen or we're going to change our theology so now I'm going to go to a church who preaches nothing so it will align with my experience and I used to believe God could heal but then somebody died in my life and they didn't get healed so I don't believe that anymore and I used to believe God would prosper but then bankruptcy happened and now I don't believe God can prosper anymore or you know I used to believe that relationships worked out but then I got a divorce so I don't believe that works anymore or you know my child went the wrong direction so now I can't believe God where do you stop the line there so you got a choice to make whether the disappointment's going to deal with you or you're going to deal with it. And you're going to overcome that disappointment. You're going to change your theology. You're going to get mad at God. Or you're going to do the things that I'm about to teach you to do and you're going to move forward in your life. As a faith person. So what did we just give you? I just gave you, some people don't even know those three answers I just gave you why bad things happen to good people on the planet. Most people don't even know those three reasons. Fallen world, free will, and the enemy. So how do we move forward? Well, I have four things I want to share with you. And I'm going to share these steps with you today. And I believe this is going to help everyone in here. Because I know a lot of you have experienced at least one of the things I mentioned. I've even experienced some of those things myself. I'm not making light of it, but I'm talking to you as your pastor and helping you move forward. Helping you find healing today. Helping you find freedom today. Helping you to settle the past and to move forward. To overcome disappointment, overcome discouragement, and get your hope back. And get your faith back. And get your believing back. Because that's God's will for you. So the number one thing I want to share to you, with you, when 
these things happen in our life. Disappointment happens. It's the opposite of what we were believing that would happen. What do we do? What do we do? The number one thing you need to understand is this. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. Now, I just shared with you three reasons a second ago why it's not God's fault. We live in a fallen world. We have a free will. There is an enemy of our soul, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But the number one thing that happens when people are disappointed, maybe there's abuse that happens. Maybe there's a loss of a loved one that happens. Maybe there's a loss of a job or there's some other situation or tragedy. Maybe it's an ongoing physical issue in your body and you're saying, God, why hasn't this changed by now? The number one thing that people do is blame God. You're blaming the wrong person because it's not God's fault. And we need to understand this. Don't blame God. God is your only way out. He's your only help out of the situation. You're blaming the wrong person. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. And I'm not even saying it's your fault every time. Hear me. Because some people put condemnation on themselves. Sometimes it's not even your fault. But it's not God's fault. Because if you're going to move forward, you got to settle it. It's not God's fault that this happened. It's not his will. It's not his plan. It's not his best. And it's not his fault that this tragedy or trauma or disappointment happened in my life. It's not his fault. He loves you more than any parent has ever loved you. He loves you more than any grandparent has ever loved you. He loves you more than your husband or wife or your children. He loves you more than anybody. And when tragedy and trauma happens in our life, it breaks his heart more than it does yours. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? So we need to establish it's not God's fault. Two different situations I, I think about in, in my life. When you need to think about this is when things happen, you say, well, God, it shouldn't have happened this way. Why did it happen this way? I, I just We're going to speak just freely and honestly this morning. My grandmother, Mimi, anybody know Mimi in here? Mimi was a great woman of God. She spent her whole life loving people, serving people, being in a local church. Now, in 2006, I think she was 86 years old. I graduated that year. And in 2006, she was going in for a knee surgery. And she had some other physical issues also during that period of time, but she had been perfectly healthy for like 40 years. Never went to the doctor, 86 years old. Mimi, my grandma. Good Lord, she delivered me from police officers, parents, and everybody else. Thank God for Mimi. So, Mimi. 
2006, she went in for a knee surgery, and the knee surgery actually was good. But when she was in there, something happened internally, and so she went into ICU. Her knee was fine. She was in there for 40-plus days, and she died. My grandma, Mimi, 86 years old. She wasn't supposed to die. She was healthy. She was full of life. She was a young 86 years old, if you know Mimi. She died in a tragic way, not in a peaceful way at home. That was not God's will. Am I hitting a little bit too close to home? I got to be honest today. This is my grandma. That's my best friend. That's not God's best. That was not God's will. That was not God's plan, but it happened. And we as a church were believing for her to come out of it. And she didn't. So what do you do? Well, we're not going to preach healing anymore at Church on the Rock. Are you hearing me this morning? We're not going to preach healing anymore at Church on the Rock because it didn't work out for Mimi. No. It's not God's fault. It's not God's will. It's not God's best. But it happened. And you got to do something with that disappointment and not base your theology off of a bad experience. But you got to take it back to the word of God. This is the truth and the whole truth. What I feel, what I experience, all my emotions may or may not be true. But the truth is God's word, that he is a healer. He's always been a healer. He will always be a healer. That's what's true. I know this is a different message, but I need you to lean in with me here. So we could say, well, Mimi, look what happened to her. She's 86 years old. Shouldn't happen. She should still be alive. She'd be like 100 years old by now. And knowing her, she would be full of life. And she died in a tragic way in the ICU. It's not God's will. But you got to establish it's not God's fault either. you got to settle that. Dr. Dufresne, spiritual father and grandfather of this house, man of faith, he died in a plane crash. He believed in angels. He believed in protection. We would all say in here, Dr. Frame probably has more faith than all of us put together. But he died in a plane crash. Some of you guys are still bugged from that. It's not God's fault. I'm giving you two examples right now of things in my personal life. How do you deal with that? How do you answer that? How do you overcome that? If you say you're a faith person, why? Why did Mimi die? Why did Dr. Dufresne die in a plane crash at 72 years old? You got to settle it. It's not God's fault. 
Now, the second thing I want to share with you is this, because this goes right along with this point. Don't get into the whys. When you get into the whys, why something happened, this is what your life's going to be like. God, why did they die? God, why did I lose my job? God, why was I abused when I was younger? God, why did this traumatic thing happen in my life? I'm not making light of your pain right now, but I'm saying, God, why? And your whole life is going to do this. You're going to be going in circles the rest of your life, and you're going to be stuck here. God, why did I get a divorce? God, why did this happen? God, why did this tragedy happen? And this is why your life is going to be going in circles the rest of your life if you stay in the wise. God, why? I'm going to give you a couple answers to that. First of all, I just gave you three answers on why something could have happened. But more specifically, God in his word has this to say. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forevermore. That we may do all the words of the law. But notice the first part. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Stay out of the wise. First of all, it's not God's fault when disappointment happens, but stay out of the wise. Now, if you ask God, sometimes he'll tell you. But if he doesn't tell you, be okay with that and stay out of the wise. That's my answer for you today. If he tells you, move forward with it. If he says nothing, the secret things belong to the Lord. Stay out of the wise because you're never going to go forward. You're going to be walking in circles the rest of your life. It's not God's fault. And don't get into the wise why this happened. Like I said, if he tells you, great. Use that knowledge and move forward with it. If he doesn't tell you why something happened, then it was personal. And the secret things belong to the Lord. And some of you are saying, well, I'm asking when I get to heaven. When you get to heaven, you're not going to care. Oh, I'm going to tell him. No, you're not when you get there. (laughs) You're not going to care at that point. You realize we only care because we're in this time frame right here. And everything seems like such a big deal. But when we get in eternity, we're not going to care. Don't get into the whys. Are you hearing me today? I know this is different. This is something I've never taught before, but I'm trying to give you some help and some freedom today, some hope. So it's not God's fault, and don't get into the whys. I just shared with you two examples from my own life, Mimi, Dr. Dufresne. I know the whys for them. You want me to tell you? I'll tell you. I know. Some people have left this church over this. Well, Dr. Dur- it didn't work for Dr. Dufresne. I'll give you why in a second. Just hold on. Mimi, she didn't know if she was supposed to have that surgery. 
She asked dad before she had this surgery because she was unsure. So she was picking up something in her spirit that she shouldn't have that surgery. But she chose to do it anyways. I'm not putting down my grandma. I love her. But there's a reason she asked other people because she wasn't feeling right about it. But she chose to have that surgery and then that happened to her. There's a reason why. I love my grandma. I'm not disrespecting her. But that was not God's fault. God was trying to warn her to not have that surgery, and she had it anyways. And then there was a tragedy that happened, and she died. That's a why. Dr. Dufresne. Now, I don't know the whys for everything, and like I said, if God doesn't tell you, settle it. But if he does, use that information to move forward. Dr. Dufresne, man of God, hears God's voice. At least a year before that plane crash, Pastor Nancy told him time and time again, Ed... I don't think that you should ride that airplane because there's something not right with it. For a full year before Dr. Dufresne died in that plane crash. Dr. Dufresne even told her, he was listening to her, but he was also moving really quick during that period of time in his life. But Pastor Nancy warned him for a full year, I don't think something's right with that plane, but Dr. Dufresne kept moving forward. And you know what? Doctor is a human being. He's not God. That's why you shouldn't base your theology off of him. And I honor Dr. Dufresne to this day. He is the spiritual grandfather of this house. But he was warned by Pastor Nancy, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. What was that? That was God trying to speak to him. There's something about that airplane. Don't do it. That's why. But how many know we as human beings have a free will to choose to override that warning? So many people throw away their theology. Well, Dr. Dufresne happened. Dr. Dufresne was warned. Sober in this Methodist church. He's a human being. I'm not putting him down here in my heart here. I'm just trying to explain some things to you. But people will walk around with the wise the rest of their life. Why did this happen to doctor? Why did this happen to this? There's always a reason. So even Dr. Dufresne, who believed in protection, believed in angels, he was warned. God warned him. And he's a human being, so he missed it that day to get on that airplane. I'm not rejoicing at that. That's sad. We miss Dr. Dufresne. But that's the reason that happened. Once again, not God's will, not God's best, not God's plan. God's plan would be that Mimi would still be here at 100 years old. God's plan and God's best with Dr. Dufresne would still be here preaching. But once again, there's an enemy. You still follow me today? So it's not God's fault. Number two, don't get into the whys because you're going to be going in circles the rest of your life. Number three, process the pain. Process the pain. If something traumatic or disappointing has happened in your life, you've got to process the pain. The Bible says there's a time to grieve, but there's also a time to heal. You need to grieve. You need to process the pain. 
when something happens like that, you can't just ignore it or deny it or act like it didn't happen. You're not going to get better that way. It's just going to come back later. you got to process the pain. You know, they say that mental health, the, most, the reason why most people struggle with mental health is ungrieved losses. It's things that happened in their life that hurt them that they never grieved over. They just said, well, I don't care. I'm not going to think about it. It's not important. The reason most people are depressed and struggling mentally is ungrieved losses. So we need to process the pain, and there is a time to grieve. The Bible says so. That's the third thing. So when something happens, we have to process the pain, but we need to process it with the right people. I'll tell you who the right people is. It's not Facebook. It's not your work friends. It's not even sometimes other church people. It's God. You need to process it with God. If we see anything from the life of David is this. Read the book of Psalms. He processed some things with God. Now don't just read Psalm 23. Read the verses where he says, God, I wish that you would kill them. God, I wish that you would bust their teeth out. God, I wish that you would get them back. He would wake up one day and write a psalm and it would say, God, I feel down. I feel depressed. I'm crying and I don't know what to do with it. He went to the right place. What was he doing in prayer and praise and worship? He was processing his pain and his grief with God because, you know, that is the only way I'm going to heal. Is if I process the pain and the grief with God, I got to do that. Not with other people, not with Facebook, not with anything else. I need to process this with God and settle it. And David went through some stuff. David, that we read, the man after God's own heart, called and highly favored. He got attacked by a bear and a lion and a giant. Any of you in that category so far? Then after he was called to be the king, the king was trying to kill him for at least 14 years of his life. We're not just talking a friend trying to kill you. A king and a full army was trying to kill David. And you think you have problems sleeping. You're saying, well, I'm kind of feeling kind of anxious. Well, are you David? You have a whole king and his army after you every day. The same David that later on in his life would kill a man and sleep with another woman. The same David later on in his life, one of his sons would try to overthrow him. The same David that would lose one of his sons when he was born. David went through some stuff. But he always came out back on top because he processed the pain with God. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? He grieved over it. Yes, he did. But then he settled it and he moved forward. I'm trying to help some people today. I'm going to read a story to you in 2 Samuel 12, verse 16. This is when David's son that was just being born died. I can't even imagine what that feels like. 
But he, he lost his son here. And it says, David begged God to spare the child, and he went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. And the elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. And then on the seventh day, the child died. And David's advisors were afraid to tell him, and he wouldn't listen to the reason why the child was ill. And they said, what drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? This is David's son. When David saw them whispering, he realized that what had happened. He said, is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Notice David's response. He just lost his little baby son. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotion, changed his clothes. Now, in the Bible, changing your clothes is significant. Now, what does the Bible say? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, what is grief? It's heaviness. What is depression? It's heaviness. But we have a choice to make. You can put on the spirit of heaviness or you can put on the garment of praise. Now, I didn't say you go feel like it all the time, but you're going to be wearing one or the other, and that's your choice. But if you want to get over it, you're going to have to take off your grave clothes. Take off your depressing clothes. Take off your Facebook clothes. Take off your down and out clothes. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. I'm not saying it wasn't painful. But you have a choice right now, just like David did. And what did he do? He got up. I'm helping some people today. He got up. What do you feel like when you're depressed? You don't want to get out of bed. He didn't feel like getting up, but he realized, if I'm going to get over this and get through this and get on the other side, I got to get up. I'm speaking to some people today by the Spirit of God. Then David got up from the ground. And he washed himself. He went and took a shower. Because when you're depressed like that, you're not thinking about a shower. You're not thinking about cologne. You're not thinking about caring what you look like. But he said, I got to do something different here if I'm going to get over this. He got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotion, changed his clothes. I love this next part. And he went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. Or we could say, where we live at today in the New Testament, he went to church. He didn't feel like going to church. He didn't feel like getting up. But he realized, if I'm going to process this pain and get on the other side of this grief, I got to go to the one who has answers. I got to go to the one who can get me on the other side of this. I got to go to the one who's full of peace, full of joy. I'm preaching 10 times better than you're responding today. I got to get up, wash myself, put some cologne on when I don't feel like it on a Sunday morning. I got to go to the house of God and I got to worship. If my child just died last week, I got to worship. If I just got a divorce last week, I got to worship. If I lost my job this past week, I got to worship. If something bad happened in my life, and I was abused, I got to worship because that's the only way I'm going to get healed. Do you want to be healed or not? 
He got up. He washed himself, changed his clothes, took off that garment of depression for the garment of praise. He didn't feel like it. You got a hangnail and you can't even worship on Sunday. Somebody cut in front of you in, in traffic and you can't even worship. I'm not going to worship today. I don't have enough money to go to the restaurant I want to go to, but you're still eating. And you're pouting during service. He got up. Now, his child just died. I would say that's probably the worst thing that could happen to anybody. His child just died, and what did he do? He got up, changed his clothes. He went to the place that has answers, the church. Can I tell you something today? When you're going through something, don't run away from church. Run to church. When you're going through something, don't run away from God. Run to God. That's where your help is. That's where your hope is. That's where your healing is. And I know your emotions are telling you, run as far away as this place as you can. I want to be by myself. I want to cry to myself. I want to do this by myself. But you won't be healed that way. Are you receiving what I'm saying this morning? I, I'm just trying to help some people today. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. And after that, he returned to the palace, and they served him food, and he ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you. While the child was still lying, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you've stopped your mourning, and you're eating again. Listen to what David said. I fasted. And I wept while the child was alive, for perhaps the Lord would be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? Now here's the good news. I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. He had to settle it. He processed the pain with God. He grieved, but then he had to settle it. Say, I can't bring him back, but I can go one day. He processed the pain with God. Are you guys receiving this today? It's not God's fault. Don't get into the wise. Process the pain. And last but not least, and I really feel strongly about this. I know we went a long time today. Turn the page. After you've processed the pain and you grieved over that situation and settled it with God, this is what you got to do. You got to turn the page. You got to turn the page. Many times we get stuck on a bad chapter, but it's not the whole story. Now, you don't stop reading the book just because you got on a bad chapter and something bad happened. What do you do? You keep turning the page because you believe there's going to be a better ending if I keep reading the story. In a movie, I don't get some of you in here. Some of you walk out of movies in the middle of it. And you're like, well, something bad happened, and I don't like that part of the movie. 
Keep watching because the movie's going to get better. Don't walk out middle of the way through because there was a bad scene or a bad chapter. The book isn't written fully yet. The movie's not over yet. The best is yet to come. But it's your choice whether you stay in that chapter that was hurtful, that scene that was wrong, or you choose to turn the page. Are you hearing me today? Let me give you an example of this Job in the Bible. You know, we talk about Job like his whole life was horrible. It was one year. If you read your Bible in Job 42, there's 42 chapters in Job accounting that story one year. He had a bad year. It stunk really bad. Bad chapter, bad scene. But at the end of Job 42, it says this, Job lived another 140 years after that year. And it says his last half was greater than the first half. And God blessed him with double the second half of his life than the first half. And you know what? Job could have got stuck on the one bad year. He could have said, my life is horrible. My life stinks. I'm never moving forward and got stuck on that one year. You know what? God couldn't have done anything with Job's life. But what did he do? He chose to turn the page. And in Job 42, it says that God restored to him his finances. God restored to him his health. God restored to him his family. And he lived 140 years blessed more than the former. But who, who chose that? He did. He turned the page. He could have still been grieving and refusing to turn the page, and his life wouldn't have ended up that way. But Job, one bad year, guys. He lived 140 more great ones. He turned the page. I'm not making light of what you went through. I'm not making light of this pain that I've mentioned, all these tragedies and traumas, but you got to turn the page. Think about Joseph. Joseph was called by God, anointed. He had big dreams. His brothers sold him into slavery. Then he ended up at Potiphar's wife, at their house with Potiphar and his wife. Falsely accused. Sent to prison. Look at what he went through. But you know what he did? He didn't get bitter. (laughs) He didn't blame God. He kept the right attitude. He kept that dream that God had in his heart. He kept his hope. And then one day, he was in the prison. And they were looking for somebody that could interpret dreams. And they brought Joseph to the king's palace. And God gave him divine revelation and wisdom to interpret a dream. And one day, he was in the prison cell. But the next day, he was in the palace because he turned the page. Because he turned the page, somebody. 
And he didn't let people get him in bitterness and unforgiveness. He kept his heart right. He kept his dream right. And God fulfilled every word that was spoken. But you know what? Joseph could have stopped in the prison and said, I'm here forever. No, you're not, Joseph. You're just on a bad chapter. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying today? I'm, I'm excited on the inside. And Joseph ended up in the palace. What happened? Second in charge of the whole nation. And then you see his family who had thrown him into slavery come needing help. And he was able to help them. And he forgave them. And I love what he says. Because it's a choice to turn the page. He told his family, you meant it for evil. But God turned it for my good. But he could only turn it for his good when he turned the page. If he, if he didn't make that choice, Joseph's life wouldn't end up that way. And let me tell you something this morning. People that have done things to you, tragedies that happen, the enemy meant it for evil. But you've got a choice now to turn the page. And when you turn the page, what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it for your good. He can turn it for your good. But what is it? It's a choice. There's better chapters in front of you, church family. There's better scenes in front of you, church family. Don't stop because the story's not finished yet. I know I've been preaching a long time, but I just got to share this. Turn the page. I love this. The Apostle Paul says it like this, Philippians 3. Verse 13 and 14 in the Passion. He says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. Look at what it says. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So what did the Apostle Paul said? I got to forget the past. You're not denying that the chapters are in there. You're saying, I'm not on that chapter anymore. You're not denying that it didn't happen, but you're not there anymore. You're in the next scene. You're in the next chapter. He says, I forget those things that are behind me in the past, and I reach forward to the future. Because you can't move forward looking in the rearview mirror. You got to turn the page and move forward. Did you guys get something today? I love this quote by C.S. Lewis pertaining to what we were talking about, about turn the page. Listen to what he says. You can't go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you are 
and change the ending. That's why you got to leave it in the past. You can't do nothing about it now. Forgive. Apologize. And leave it in the past. You can't go back and change the beginning. But this is a word for a lot of you in here today when you're turning the page. But you can start where you are and change the ending. Your choice. I feel like God's doing this to you today. Here's your pen. Write something good. Stop being stuck on the last chapter. That's your choice to stay there. Turn the page, and with you and God, write a better chapter. Write a better story. Write a better ending. And you can do that with God and his help. Did you guys get some today? I preach myself happy. (laughs) Just trying to help you as your pastor today. Let's stand up together.